It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. That's for my crazy day. My pack commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. (laughs) Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. A lot to get to on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked on Bengals. Sorry I missed you yesterday. I promised guests I have guests. Dave Lapham joining us in about 60 seconds on Twitter, at James Rapine. Uh, like I said, subscribe on iTunes and audioboom.com. Hopefully you had a lovely weekend. A lot to discuss with Dave Lapham. And, uh, man, oh, man, I, I, I want to start. And I was on ESPN 1530 yesterday in Cincinnati, and this was a big part of what uh, I discussed. It, everyone's going to talk about Marvin Lewis and how he's on the hot seat and how it's up to Marvin to change things and, and, and make sure that this team gets back on track and gets to the playoffs and makes a run and wins a playoff game and all these weapons they have, and it's on Marvin. Or we look at Ken Zampezi, and I've looked at Ken Zampezi, and I'm wondering if well, – because his job should be pretty easy this year. I mean, they got weapons on weapons on weapons on weapons and a veteran quarterback. So his job shouldn't be too hard. But to me, and I put this poll question out there on my Twitter, which Bengals coach is under the most pressure heading into 2017? Marvin Lewis, offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi, offensive line coach Paul Alexander. And the the Twitter results are up. 54% say Marvin, 29% say Ken Zampezi. And 17% say Paul Alexander. And I I said it when I posted this yesterday. It was a 24-hour poll. Got about 700 votes. And so you got a a decent idea of who the the microscope was on, at least from Twitter. I think it's on Paul Alexander, or it should be. I know he's been in the Bengals organization since 94. I know he was such a great coach and is such a great coach that he coached Willie Anderson and made him great made linemen like Andrew Whitworth great, helped develop guys like that. But if he's so damn great, then why can't he give the Bengals a decent offensive line this year? Because everyone seems to be talking about the offensive line and how they're going to struggle and how they're going to just be bad. That's the one weakness I see on this team is the offensive line. I also see Paul Alexander's guys. He liked Russell Bodine. They traded up to get him. Clint Bowling is their best offensive lineman. I think he'll be fine. But you look at Jake Fisher. You look at a guy like Cedric Abwehi, first-round pick in 2015. Fisher, a second-round pick in 2015. Back-to-back picks. I know for a fact that Paul Alexander really, really, really liked Cedric Abwehi. I assume he liked Fisher, where they reportedly had similar grades on those guys. To me, 
Oh, and then Andre Smith, the other projected starter at guard. First round pick from the Bengals back in 09. Guard's supposed to be an easy transition. I'll ask Dave Lapham about that transition coming up in just a second. But to me, Paul Alexander should be under the microscope. I get it. You're great, right? He's so great, and he's assistant head coach, and he's the offensive line coach, and he's so established. Good. Now make those guys competent because there are guys that you were the offensive line coach. up. They're all guys drafted by the Bengals, all players that they like. These aren't veteran pickups, and I know Andre Smith is changing positions, and he played for the Vikings last year, but you believed in him at one point, and you got a lot out of him at tackle. At one point, we considered Andre Smith a bust, and then he became a decent tackle. They extended him, and he was, he was pretty good for a while. Now it is up to Paul Alexander to make this offensive line competent. If they're competent, then the offense should be good. The defense, I don't, I don't really see many holes outside of the offensive line. And with that, we're going to bring in my guy, everybody's guy, the go-to for Bengals news. And I talked to him yesterday on ESPN 1530, and I asked Dave Lapham pretty point blank, should Paul Alexander be under the microscope? Is there pressure on Paul Alexander to get this offensive line, namely Cedric Abwehi, Jake Fisher, up to speed so they're pretty good and exceed expectations this season? I'd say, I'd say that the, the pressure is squarely on uh, the, two, the two young tackles and, and the guy coaching, no question about it. I think... Uh, you know, I think that everybody everybody needs up their game, and because um, you, know, you look at it, I mean, have a quarterback that has been to multiple Pro Bowls, have a tight end that's been to Pro Bowl, have a receiver that's been to multiple Pro Bowls. I mean, uh, they they replenished uh, you know the skill positions in the draft. I mean, they have plenty of skilled people. It's a question of can the big boys up front operate, and you know it's, it's up to Paul and the and the young tackles to. You know, the microscope, the magnifying glass, everything you can think of is going to be focused squarely on them. So, got to step up, and I think they will. I really do. I think that both guys did a lot in the off season to uh, to change things. I think the first thing you have to do is realize that you sucked. Actually, you know, didn't get done. <laughs> yeah, and you have to you have to look tell yourself when you look in the mirror that you know that's the case. And both of them did. You know, Cedric so the way he went to Jay Glazer's uh, mixed martial arts camp for a period of months and. And got beaten up, and you know, tried to uh, improve his ability to anchor and take on the bull rush and those kind of things. And uh, Fisher, Jake Fisher, at the end of the year was about 280, and now he's turning 10 pounds, and he's put it on in good places: his chest, his shoulders, his uh, you know, his hind quarter, his legs. So he's not sloppy whatsoever, but he's a heck of a lot stronger. So they realized they needed to do something differently in the off season, and they did it. And I think that's the that's the first step. It is the the low expectations for for the Bengals offensive line because people are talking about them being in the, the the worst in the league potentially. Is that a good thing with these young players who are obviously have plenty of motivation? You mentioned their off season work, but if there's such low expectations, if they end up a top twenty offensive line, I think that's good enough with those skill players they have. Yeah, and I think that you know that, that these guys um, with the college success that they had. You know, they were drafted in the first and second round. Yeah. So they're prideful. You know, they're prideful players. They've experienced success. Uh, going through what they went through last year was kind of foreign to them. So I think, uh, you know, lesson learned, hopefully, and, and, uh, and, and you do something about it and you move on to the, to the next chapter. So, I mean, they, they were drafted with this, with this intent. You know, at some point, Andrew Wurtworth was either, either going to be, you know, done or playing elsewhere. And, and, you know, they had to figure out that right tackle position. I mean, these two, of the heir apparent, and 
they drafted him in the same draft a couple of years ago to take care of business. So, you know, now it's time to do exactly that. But I agree with you. I think that I think that when people, um, you know, put you in the in the lower rung of anything, that's that's motivation if you have any any substance to you whatsoever. And I, I do believe these guys do. And uh, and we'll see. We'll see for sure. There's no question. I, I really, I think Andre Smith too is the X factor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely in to play that right guard. But if 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 there are problems. I mean, he could be, you know, pushed out to right tackle in a heartbeat. And, uh, you know, they could, I mean, Fisher and, and Andre Smith could swap, swap spots or if they had a better guard option, they could do that. So it's not like, you know, everything's everything's cast in jello right now. It's not cast in concrete, but they're going to get their, their, the first opportunity to be the guys to get it done. How do you think Andre Smith is going to adjust and, and transition to guard uh, since he's played tackle his whole career? Well, I can I can tell you that that's an easier transition, uh, particularly from a pass protection standpoint, uh, because you know out there at tackle they can line up in real wide techniques on you and and give you a two way go. I mean the guard position it's it's more of a, you know handling power rush moves and sometimes you have quickness and power like Geno Atkins. He's a rare bird, but you know I think Andre's a big powerful guy. I think he'll adjust pretty well. You know he said that things do happen faster inside at guard, and that's true. You know, having played that, you have more time to adjust, to uh, react to things at the tackle position than you do at guard. They're right up on top of you. But I think he's going to make the adjustment. It's like, you know, it's like going from, uh, you know, it's easier to go from third, from uh, shortstop to third base than the other way around. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, in my mind, it's easier to go. Tackle's the toughest position to play, particularly left tackle, in my estimation. So going inside from the tackle spot, I think, is an easier adjustment for Andre to make uh, in time. How do you think, what kind of impact do you think the, the running backs are going to have? Because we, we keep con- having a, a conversation about the offensive line, but now they have three second-round running backs on that roster. Jeremy Hill in a contract year, obviously Joe Mixon, uh, mega-talented, and Giovanni Bernard rehabbing from injury. How does that shake out, or how do you expect that to shake out? That's a very competitive situation, you know, and, and if you're a coach, you're, you're excited because competition breeds excellence performance, and like you say, you know, you had Jeremy Hill playing for his contract. Uh, all I can say is during the uh, the OTAs and the minicamp, mandatory minicamp, defensive players were coming off the field mumbling about Joe Mixon. Man, wow. sucker, big, fat, you know, he, he can do it all. <laughs> Everybody's talking about him. And when you have, you know, your teammates saying that about you right away, it shows that you've got the skill set. I mean, he is definitely physically talented and, uh, the reaction I saw from the defensive players, I mean, I think they're excited to see what he can do once the regular season, you know, rolls under underway. So he, I'm, I'm not, like we talked about before, I'm not saying he's Le'Veon Bell, but I'm saying he can do some of the things that Le'Veon Bell, you know, is doing for that Pittsburgh Steeler offense. He, Giovanni Bernard is outstanding, too. I mean, you know, he's a great receiver, and, um, you know, he can he can run the football, a great receiver out of the backfield. Joe Mixon's a bigger version of that. And uh, they, they they should be in, in really good shape at the running back position, and you know hopefully they're of the mindset and selfish where they'll block for each other. If uh, yeah, two of those guys out there in the field at the same time, what we used to call the old jet, you know, the jet formation. Uh, you know, James Brooks and Nicky Woods, for example, those guys do block for each other. So that's going to be maybe the key component is, you know, will you be the the all important third phase of being a complete back where you block somebody. Lap, you mentioned uh, competition, and I, I think that the Bengals are still at 89 guys on the roster. Any chance they bring in any, any other offensive linemen maybe to push the, the guys they have? I would think so. I would think that that's the, uh, 
you know, that's the spot that they're they're probably evaluating and looking at a little bit. You know, there there are some guys out there, but they're out there for a reason. You know, they're out there due to injury. Yeah. Or it's a veteran player that, that like I said, is injured or a veteran player that wants more money than the Bengals and other teams at this point are willing to give. You know, you're, you're talking about NFL minimum from a salary standpoint, guys that are out there at this point in time. Um, you know, if you get closer to the regular season, and there's some kind of a severe injury or something, that's when veterans' value kind of go up a little bit. But right now, the market's down. You know, you don't you don't need a veteran lineman in there being in a training camp that you're paying big bucks and there might be an injury. And so it's it's all a timing thing. And it wouldn't shock me at all either. You know, even if they don't go to the 90th player, I think they will fill it in some way, shape, or form. But if they don't, it, to me, uh, if a, if a player gets waived in the in the second or last cut or even the last cut that, that has some NFL experience, they can, you know, he can learn the Bengals offense quickly and can transition, you know, to what the Bengals are doing in the NFL. It would not shock me to see them, you know, pick up somebody at that point in time either. So we'll see. We'll see how it all unfolds. Ultimately, Lap, I, I look at this team and I, I want to find uh, maybe a flaw or two, that, that uh, something else outside of the offensive line. But defensively, I, I think they're they're solid all around. Burfick's in a contract year. Geno Atkins still playing really well. The only thing I could see, easier schedule, the only thing I could see maybe derailing this team is a bad offensive line. Is there anything else that I'm missing that, that needs to be bolstered? I, I know they addressed the pass rush in the draft. I, I, I don't see many weaknesses. I agree with you. You know, I, I, I agree. I think that uh, that they get younger and faster. They, they age and get slower almost overnight, like everybody's saying. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, particularly at the linebacker position, they made some uh, some necessary moves there. You know, Ray Maluga was was uh, on the back nine, putting out on 17 when they let him go. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that, that they've, got, they've gotten a lot done there. Uh, they have addressed the pass rush. Um, you know, that they're younger and Quicker and faster off the edge there. I, yeah, I, I think that defensively, I agree with you. I think the defense will, will perform to the level that performed at, you know, uh, two or three years ago when, when they were they had playmakers at every level. And Bontez Burf is in phenomenal shape. I mean, he's in good shape as I've seen him in a while. Like you say, contract year, and, and uh, he's getting himself ready to have a big season. And, and you know, when Bontez Burf is right physically, I mean, he's, he's yeah. big time. The guy, the guy has a a sense for football and a nose for it. You know, he's football men's with what he sees out there. He sees it happen before it happens and no false steps. And he gets there and he gets there with some, uh, some malice from an intense standpoint. Yeah. That, that that's one thing. I, I think a motivated Vontez perfect. And, and we saw it uh, after the bye last year, he just makes everyone better. He was like a bandaid for a lot of their flaws, even last season. And if he's in even better shape now, I mean, that that's just going to give them a huge boost. You know, you hear all the time uh, his teammates just lauding, uh, singing his praises about how he's like having a coach on the field. How uh, you know he it's with Vontez, it's not just understanding what Vontez is supposed to do; it's understanding what everybody you know is supposed to do. He he could install the offense as well as Paul Gunther could and tell everybody exactly what they're supposed to do on every single play. So he doesn't just see tunnel vision, you know, on one area of responsibility. He understands every phase of that defense and all the moving parts of it and adjustments that need to be made. I mean, he's a special player. There's no doubt. Lap, I appreciate the time. Sorry for bugging you, and enjoy the rest of your afternoon, man. No problem, James. Anytime. You the man.
That is Dave Lapham. Obviously, that was uh, yesterday uh, when I was on ESPN 1530. I thought it was worth airing here on Locked on Bengals because it's definitely two different audiences I have on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati and here on Locked on Bengals. I thought there was a lot of noteworthy stuff there. The reason I included the free agent bite is because they have signed a free agent. They signed guard Cameron Lee, a rookie, out of Illinois State. Lee's uh, 6'6", 320, and uh, played at Illinois State from 2013 to 2016 and uh, started every single game in his junior and senior year. So there you go, roster spot filled. But what I thought was interesting about what Lab said there is the fact that veteran prices could go down or could go up depending on injuries and need and demand. So right now the Bengals might be interested in a guy like Nick Mangold. They might be interested in a guy um, like that, Ryan Clady, a veteran, but they're willing to pay the minimum, and those guys might be wanting more than that. Those guys might want to wait and see if they can get a, a assurance that they might play a lot. And, and I'm not sure the Bengals want to offer that, and I don't think they should offer that. I get wanting to see what Abwehi Fisher could do. Again, I understand why you have to play them this year. That you are you premium picks. You use premium picks on them. It's year three. You have to figure out if they're good, competent, or not. And if they're not, you get them the hell out of there. If they are, well, then you're all right, and this offense should be one of the best in the league. So to me, the only thing outside of crazy injuries that's going to stop this team, it's not Marvin. It's not Ken Zampezi. It's not if John Ross is healthy or not or Brandon LaFell. It's very simple. If Andy, AJ, Eifert, if those guys are around the majority of the time and you got Joe Mixon, who to me is the most talented running back they've had since Corey Dillon, and I know that's saying a lot. I've said it multiple times. It's just everyone raves about him like Lap says, and if everyone's raving about him and he runs the 40 that fast and he's that talented, man, He should be a game changer. This team should be good. This team should win double-digit games. But they need the offensive line to be competent. I don't think that's too much to ask, especially from a coach like Paul Alexander, who, let's be honest, people rave about him. He's so great. Get competent. Competent isn't too much to ask, even if the talent might not be there. Even if Cedric Abwehi isn't as talented as you might have expected when you drafted him. Even if Jake Fisher isn't as talented as you once evaluated. You just need competent. That's the word of the day. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Man, oh man. If you uh, have any questions, you can email me. James Erpine at ESPN1530.com. Tweet me at James Erpine or at Locked on Bengals. Follow for sure. Subscribe on iTunes at audioboom.com. And until tomorrow, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, 
every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.